Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Today it is titled, My Redeemer Lives. My Redeemer Lives. And for a moment I would like for you to think about something that you have accomplished. Something that you completed that makes you feel good or proud. Something you can put your finger on and say, I did that. You're being asked to consider something that uh, is personal, a personal accomplishment. When I was 17 years old, I... uh, made a coffee table for my mother out of cypress wood. And I do have an old picture of it, but I'm not going to present it today. Uh, giving all of the technical things that we're doing, it's, it's enough as it is. But in any case, I built this uh, coffee table out of cypress wood, and it was wood that I had literally hauled out of a swamp, and the stump itself was also cypress wood, hauled that stump out of the swamp. I spent many hours working on it after, of course, it had a drying time because natural wood needs to dry before you process it. And so we took it through a drying process and then spent hours and hours working on that cypress table. And in the end, I created and built with my own hands an an incredible, beautiful cypress table that my mother loved. And I don't remember if I gave it to her for Christmas or her birthday. or I don't remember what I gave it to her for, but I gave it to her. I know that. And, and, And it was special. I invested myself, I took time myself in creating this table for my mother out of a heart of love for her. Today, I want to challenge you as to your relationship with God. I want to know if it's something that is personal, that it's something that is real, and and to the extent that your relationship with God has altered your life. It's not common or taken for granted. It's not something that you just show up for on an occasional Sunday, but is your relationship with God absolutely real? Some of you listening to me right now in, have rededicated yourself to the Lord in light of this coronavirus outbreak. Now, I'm thrilled that that has happened in your life. You, and, and, and I actually prayed that that would happen for people and with people since this started. I've been praying, God, get a hold of people. Do what you must to get a hold of people. However, I would say to you, I'm some concerned that after the pain, after the anguish, after the fear, 
The, the life transformation has dissipated, even though I am certainly aware we'll be practicing and operating in light of this coronavirus, perhaps for months, in the world. Maybe even the rest of this year, perhaps forever, for all I know. Some of you will, there'll be reminders. But after you get back to your old lifestyle, are you going to leave God out? Is he going to be relegated to the place he was prior to coronavirus? We're going to look into the life of a man that many would have thought had every good reason to turn his back on God. Mm. There are a number of reasons this might be the case. First of all, he suffered in innocence. And secondly, it was clear that God allowed the suffering. He didn't bring the suffering, but he allowed the suffering. Thirdly, he lost everything in the suffering. Listen to me when I say this. Everything that mattered to him, he lost it. Not only did he lose everything, but he was suffering in it physically. And finally, I want to say, or fourthly, the only thing his supposed good friends could say to him was when you get honest with yourself and us and admit your guilt, then maybe this will change. You, of course, know I'm talking about Job. Those of you who have any connection to the Scripture know this story of Job. And you know what he dealt with and the great loss that he suffered in his lifetime. And I want to pause for a moment, having said all of this, to say it's odd to me that most of us focus on Job and his suffering. And conveniently forget that after the fact, he had a double portion blessing. I mean, think about it for a moment. The scripture is clear about all that he went through, but it's also clear that in the end, he had double over what he had when he started down the path of, uh, of difficulty. Double. So let's talk about my Redeemer to begin with. If you're taking notes, Roman numeral one, my Redeemer, if you're taking notes. Job chapter 19, verse 25. I had it here in my pad. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. You should have it on your screen as well. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end He will stand on the earth. Wow, what an amazing word. I'd love to go down a whole different lane because that's prophetic for Job. You have to realize... Job is considered the oldest book in the Bible. I know that's going to blow some of your minds, but he's considered the oldest book in the Bible. That means he had no other reference. Job had no Bible to refer to. 
No Torah. Nothing from the Jewish tradition. And yet he's prophesying here in that and that in the end he will stand on the earth. My Redeemer. Anyway, the centerpiece, here's what you're writing in your notes, of Job's comfort lies in the word my. Hear it now. My Redeemer. You hear what he's saying? Job's saying, my Redeemer. And secondarily, in the fact that he makes this prophetic statement as well as a living, active statement, my Redeemer lives. He's not a past Redeemer. He's not a historical future Redeemer. He is, actually. But for Job, he was a present Redeemer. It's so vital that we take hold of a living Christ. Who am I talking to this morning, listening to my voice? That we're talking about a living Christ. We take hold of Him. I'm talking about gaining a vibrant, real relationship that is personal. That's why I brought up this table that I built for my mom. It was personal. I spent my time and invested my time in making that table. And I wanted you to know that it was something that I invested in. C.H. Spurgeon writes, What is gold in the mine to me? Hear it again. What is gold in the mine to me? I want you to follow his reasoning. If it's still in the mine, it has no value to me. The fact that it is exists doesn't help me one little bit. Just as there are beggars all over the world, there are people all over the world in need of the one and only Redeemer, Jesus. We need a present active Redeemer. And we have one in Jesus. Listen to me when I say it again. It is gold in my wallet that will satisfy my necessities by purchasing the bread that I need. So a redeemer who does not redeem me has no real value at all to me. You're still with me now? Listening out there in cyberspace. Are you still with me? A redeemer who does not redeem me has no real value to me at all. An avenger who will not stand up for my blood. What value is that? Be not content until by faith you can say Jesus is mine. Maybe you say it right now with a feeble, weak voice. But say it nonetheless. Jesus is mine. Because here's the deal. Make note of this if you're taking notes. Mustard seed faith is all that it takes. 
Maybe your voice is feeble. Maybe your hand is weak. Maybe you are struggling right now. Maybe all of this that's surrounding us right now has put you in a place of fear. But can you say from your lips, Jesus is mine. Come on, Job. Job said it. My Redeemer lives. You only need a little faith. Matthew 17, 20 puts it this way. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. I like the way the New Living says it better. It says it, nothing will be impossible for you. This is a disproportional blessing kind of faith. I was listening to a message. I don't know when he actually preached it, but uh, Brother T.D. Jakes. I was listening to it this week, and, and he made this statement. It's a disproportional blessing. God set me on this platform. I want to say this. This is for you. T.D. Jakes didn't say this. Listen. Listen to me right now. I got a word from the Lord. Somebody is, I'm on this platform this morning to tell someone today, you need a little faith. You're facing a mountain, a circumstance that would cause you fear. Whenever you hear this right now, the Holy Spirit is going to speak into your spirit. Your little faith is enough. Grab hold of that faith that you have because this is a disproportional blessing. That's the way God operates because the faith that we have is disproportionate to the situation that we are facing. The mountain may be huge. It is imposing. It is immovable. The mountain may well block your vision. Being able to see past this moment. This mountain may be huge for you, but it is not to God in whom you are now placing your mustard seed faith, who takes that itty-bitty seed that's it's so tiny, it's like the head of a pin. That mustard seed faith is all he needs to take that mountain of a problem, and he takes it, and that becomes like, what is that, C4, whatever that stuff that blows things up? <laughs> I'm laughing. You couldn't hear that, but we have a gentleman in the audience that knows all about this stuff. And, and thank God, it, it, you could take that mountain, a, a, a situation that stands in front of you, and just a mustard seed, and you'll blast that mountain out of your way, out of your path, out of your circumstance, out of your situation, because God takes that little seed and He Explodes it like he always does with everything that we put in his hands. So the tiniest amount of faith connected to an all-powerful God is more than enough. That, that little faith, it entitles you. 
that little faith entitles. So if there's ever a moment for an entitlement mentality, anyone who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can say by faith to a mountain, move! And it must listen. So Roman numeral number two, point number two. Write this, this down. I know. That's it, Benjamin. Write it down, buddy. I know. To say I hope so, I trust so, is comfortable. And there are thousands of Christians right now saying that very thing. They hardly ever get much further. But I'm here to tell you today, right now, that cannot be our stance. You must move to the point where you can say, I know. Ifs, buts, and perhapses are murderers to peace and comfort. We have no room. You have no capacity for them now. Doubts are dreary things in times of sorrow. Like wasps, they sting the soul. If I have any suspicion that Christ is not mine, then there is vinegar mingled with the gall of death. Much like Jesus on the cross, they gave him something. It was supposed to help him. He thirsted. He said it from the cross. It had the appearance of quenching thirst. It had the appearance of doing good for him. But in the end, it was nothing more than gall. And it stung his mouth. And it made him, that his taste buds were hurled away from it. Couldn't stand it. And that's what doubt and suspicion right now in this scenario is doing to you and your spiritual life and your spirit, your being. Drive those doubts away. Do you want to know how you can drive them away? Through worship and the word. Yeah, yeah, I said it. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, come on, even in your living room. Now lift your hands to the heavens. Right here in the sanctuary, lift your hands to the heavens. Thank you, Jesus, that I know you, that you're my Redeemer. Thank you, Lord, that you set me free. Thank you, Lord, I am no captive. I am free by the power of the living Lamb of God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your work on my behalf. Bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You, for you see, if I know that Jesus lives for me, then darkness is not dark. There's the key, see? I must know. He lives for me. I must know it. It's not enough for your neighbor to know it. It's not enough for your parents to know it. It's not enough for your spouse to know it. Not enough for your brothers or your sisters to know it. I must know it. My Redeemer lives.
I could have bought my mother a table. I couldn't actually have afforded to buy my mother a table like I built for her at that time. I was 17 years old. And that table, even then, would have been worth three, four hundred dollars. There's no way I could, I couldn't afford it. But even if my mother could have afforded to go out and buy one of those tables, it wouldn't have been the same. It would have not been the same. If I know. Jesus lives for me, then the darkness is not dark. Listen to what Psalm 139 verse 12 says. It's right there in the scriptures. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. That's Psalm 139 verse 12. The darkness is as light to you. He's speaking of the Lord. But when I walk in him, when I'm firmly planted in him, isn't that promise mine too? If God provides it, then I can walk in it. Come on, somebody. Say hallelujah, amen, bless the Lord. Even the night is light about me when I know that Jesus is truly mine. When I know it. And here's the, here's the big point for the message today. If Job could say it, if Job could say, I know my Redeemer lives long before the advent of Christ, long before His death, on the cross, long before his resurrection from the dead, long before his ascension back to heaven, if Job could say that before Jesus had even shed his blood to redeem our souls, to be his living redeemer, if Job could prophesy it, and believe it, and walk in it, and make a statement regarding it in front of his friends, in front of those who had come to actually accuse him, not to support him. Surely I can say, I know. I know my Redeemer. He is my Redeemer, and I know he lives. How could we speak less positively than Job? You still listening? You still with me? I didn't lose you on that, right? I mean, if Job could do this, when you know Job's story, when you know everything was taken from him, if Job, this is still in the moment he had nothing. This is still in the midst of his suffering when he makes this statement that was our lead scripture. When he makes the statement, when he says it, he's still suffering. I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand on the earth. How can we who have experienced the fullness of Christ, 
Those who have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Those who have received, hey, come on, let's go, we're Pentecostal here. Those who have received the precious promise of God to send Holy Spirit, who lives in us. How can we speak with less faith, faith than Job? How can we do that? But we must speak with a greater faith. Than even Job, because, well, this is a perfect transition point to my conclusion. I don't want to leave Job, though, just yet. Even faced with the convincing arguments of the day, the collective wisdom of the day, by people who love Job. He would not be persuaded. He would not be persuaded to think, I'm not sure about my Redeemer. Rather, he said, I know my Redeemer lives. What a statement of faith for Job. I don't just know him. Now I do need to conclude. That doesn't mean it's shortly over. None of you were fooled by that, were you? <laughs> Jesus Christ and the work of the cross are a historical fact. There's no historical fact that has greater documentation of 2,000 years ago. Nothing on the planet. It's a historical fact. Why would I bring that in right now? Unless you take hold of the work personally, that work personally, the work of the cross... It is no different than knowing that the moon is in the sky. What of it? The moon is in the sky. Does that change your daily walk? It, it impacts us, whether we know it or not, it impacts us. But the, the reality is, which is, wow, it's the same thing, thing with Jesus. The fact of his dying on the cross, it impacts all of us whether we receive it or know it or not. But now more than ever, it's not enough to know about Jesus. But it's time to fully embrace Christ and his work on your behalf. I know that's the great compelling force behind my bringing this message on this day because I know there will be people that will watch or listen and hear this. And whenever that happens, I don't care if it's two years from now, should the Lord tarry, which is a stretch. But it's time to know that he is sincerely yours, truly yours. My Redeemer lives. Listen to me when I say this. Many of you know my beautiful wife, Pastor Amy. 
But the truth is you only know about her. I know her. My children know her. But she's mine. I want you to follow me for a moment. She not only pledged her life to me almost 40 years ago now, but she continues to prove her love and commitment to me on a daily basis. I'm not done yet. She did not just sign a document and say some nice words. She did more than give me a ring. She continues to walk out that commitment now 40 years later. I know her. And I'm asking you to think in those same terms with your relationship with Jesus. My Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer. Hear me when I say it. I know my Redeemer. Just like I know my wife. Embrace the power of a living Redeemer. <clears throat> Listen to me. John 16 verse 33. I have told you these things, Jesus writes, or says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. They were in a time or about to enter a time that had turmoil on a level that was unlike anything those guys were expecting. They were not expecting Jesus to be taken captive. They were not expecting that he would be hung up on a cross. They were not expecting him to die. And into that, hear me again, again church, hear me, into that, Jesus knew what was coming. They had no clue. No matter how many times he said it, no matter how many ways or different ways he said it, I'm not going to be with you always. The Son of Man will be taken from you. He'll be cast into the earth. No matter how many different ways Jesus said those kinds of words, they still never got it. They never picked up on it. But listen to what he goes on to say. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. He says it present tense. A living redeemer. Even though he was about to face the cross and the grave, he says, I have overcome the world. I will, or excuse me, will you, like Job, embrace your living Redeemer with the more sure knowledge of the cross. With the more sure knowledge of the cross. Will you, like Job, embrace your living Redeemer based on the 
covenant of the kinsman redeemer, Ruth was fully embraced by Boaz and consequently was a recipient, a walking, living recipient of all of the blessings of being united, married to Boaz. She received it. She walked in it. The blessing of that covenant. And based on, listen to me now, based on the power, the covenant of the cross and the power of the resurrection with your full embrace, it's joy unspeakable. Minister Nick said that earlier. Joy unspeakable. What am I talking about? I'm talking about you walking in the covenant of of knowing your Redeemer. I mean really knowing your Redeemer. So I'll say it to you this way. He's my Redeemer and He lives. As the Scripture says, He's a very present help in our time of need. Psalm 46 verse 1 puts it this way. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Come on somebody, say hallelujah. He's a very present help in a time of trouble. If if Job could talk like, I know my Redeemer lives. If Job could say it like that, can you? Do you know him? Have you fully embraced him? During this crisis moment, have you recognized you are a covenant child with privileges? Come on, somebody say, I got privileges. I got privileges. Come on, right there in your living room, say it. I have privileges. I'm walking in my privileges as a covenant child of the King of Kings. You have rights you're entitled to. Look at your neighbor right now. If you're alone, say it out loud. Say it that way. I am entitled. I have my rights. As a covenant child of the King of Kings. That passage in John 16.33 is a reminder that to us that when everyone else is running, thank you, Jesus. Go back to uh, John sixteen thirty three. Bring it up for me, tech team. I want to read it to you again. I have told you these things so that in me. You may have peace. Everyone else is running about frantic and fearful. I'm not trying to say that you should be unwise. Come on, folks. I mean, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing the way we're doing it if I were thinking that you should be unwise. But I want you to understand the covenant promise that you have to walk in and you have to choose to walk in it. Everyone else is running about in fear. But you can walk about in peace. That's what that verse says. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. 
I am truly going to close the service now, so whoever's coming to the instruments, do that now. And I want to say it this way. Let the church be the church. Active, present, live. Let the church be the church. And let the power of the living Lamb of God be the force that causes you to walk in peace in spite of what's happening around you. I'm going to ask you as I close this service this morning, if you're sitting there in your living room, perhaps your bedroom or wherever you may be listening to this broadcast, maybe it's just a podcast, wherever you are, I want you to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer with you in just a moment. But if you're sitting there now, listening to my voice, and there's any shred of doubt as to whether or not you're in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, if there's just the slightest possibility, I want you to erase that possibility today. I want you to be sure of the covenant you have with God. Maybe, maybe you did pray that prayer years ago. Maybe you did. Maybe even when you were a child and now you're an adult. You could be 70 years old right now listening to me. And if it's possible that you're unsure, I want you to be sure today. I want you to invite Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Say, Lord Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to pause right now, Jesus. And thank you for giving your life for me. Because you shed your blood, I now can have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, that that grave could not hold you but you burst forth out of it, proving your power over death. Thank you, Jesus, that because you live, I get to live. I get to know you, Lord, so I can say it right now in this moment. I know my Redeemer. I know Him and he lives. He's alive in me. If you prayed that prayer, and if you asked Jesus Christ into your heart today, if you did that in that moment, I want to ask you to please connect with us. We do see these notes. So if you're on Facebook Live right now, just take a moment, tell us your name, and if you're willing to take it to the next step, we can connect with you privately, but send a private message. Give us your name and phone number so that we can connect with you right now. This week, we'll do it. If you prayed that prayer, we'll connect with you this week. We want to be able to do that so that we can help you to know what's next. Of course, I want you to continue to see us in these broadcasts, pick up these broadcasts and listen to us 
We're, we're meeting with you multiple times in a week <clears throat> through the various methods. We have a Wednesday night Bible study. But as I said earlier, we're going to have a, a time of prayer tonight, 6 o'clock, and a special kind of moment and gathering for prayer only. And we want you to join us for that. Not only that, but next week we're going to have uh, uh, on Sunday, starting on Sunday, we're going to have four days of fasting and prayer. Prep yourself. Be prepared, even on that Sunday, to have the only food you take is that uh, you receive communion with us next Sunday. We love you. God bless you. I don't want to end the broadcast with that alone. We're going to go out and worship today. I want you to soak in the presence of God for a few moments as Pastor Mackay leads us in this time of worship. So, so don't go away. Even you believers, take a few moments and let's just spend it with the Lord. Maybe you want to stand up in your room. Maybe you want to stand up wherever you are if you're able to do that at this moment. And Let's re-enter our worship time and let's end the service today out on a good note worshiping the Redeemer who you have and know. You have and know. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. Yes, He does. Hallelujah! Yes, I know He rescued my soul His blood has covered my sin I believe Yeah I believe My shame He's taken away Yes, He does my pain is healed in His name, I believe. Yes, I believe. I'll raise a banner. Oh, my love has come to the grave. My Redeemer lives. Sing it out. My Redeemer
I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.